Thank you, thank you. Good to have Nicole back with us tonight. She was feeling a little under the weather Sunday and we missed her, but we're glad she's here tonight. Acts 27, yes, we are coming down to the end of our series in the book of Acts. Hard to believe, two weeks from tonight, we start, I think, a great series in First and Second Thessalonians, living in the light of Jesus' return. I am excited about that series on Wednesday evenings. Also, if I could ask you to be praying for something. As you know, we got that great news from the town of Gilbert. So we met with our builders this past week and things went really well. And so these next four to six months, that's going to be the civil engineering piece. And that's going to be them, our architects, finishing up the last 25% of the plans. Uh, at the end of that four to six months, then we're going to reassess and see where we are. We're continuing to pay down our mortgage, and we are thankful for the generosity of our folks that continue to give in such a way that we can continue to pay that down, and we're going to continue to try to make that our goal. Uh, but let's see where we are four to six months from now. But if you would be praying... <laughs> that uh, the civil engineering piece and the last 25% uh, of the drawings and of the plans goes well, and then we can reassess sometime in July, mid-summer, where we are, and hopefully we could just keep on moving forward towards uh, getting our phase two building up. That would be, that would be amazing. Uh, we've already seen God do miracles, and we're expecting more miracles in the future. Speaking of miracles, let's go to Acts 27. Navigating the storms of life, as I shared before our time of worship tonight, much of the time, God's purposes are not accomplished in the absence of storms, but in the presence of storms, uh, in and through those storms that God takes us through. That's where his purposes are accomplished. And we're going to see great purposes that God is going to accomplish through the Apostle Paul and in the Apostle Paul tonight. And let's remember, at the very beginning of this book, what's this book all about? The expansion of God's kingdom through the gospel, through his word. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, Jesus said, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, Rome was the center of the earth at that time, Roman Empire, seat of the Roman Empire. And so anything that affected Rome was going to go worldwide. So Paul had this inclination, I believe, from the Spirit. In fact, way back, if you look at it in Acts 19.21, all the way back there, several chapters before Acts 27, he says, I must also see Rome. There was this stirring in Paul that Rome was out there somewhere in the future for Paul. And then I think that is sort of affirmed in Acts 23, 11, when God comes to him and says, just as you have been a witness for me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Must. So God is saying, hey, you're going to Rome. That's part of my plan and that's part of my purpose. So 
I want you to keep that in mind as we come to Acts 27. And let's look at this for just a moment. When it was decided we would sail to Italy, they handed over Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. We got on board. We were about to sail to various ports along the coast of the province of Asia and be put out to sea. Let's stop there for a moment. Paul was going to Rome, but Paul wasn't going to get there the way maybe he thought he was. He was going to go as a prisoner. Many times in our life, God has a destination for us, and maybe we, like Paul, can so, yep, I can see it. That's where God's going to take me. But sometimes the way we get there is different than the way we thought we were going to get there. Now, let me say this. Here's the cool thing. Even though he was a prisoner, he was on an all-expense-paid trip to Italy by the Roman Empire. (laughs) He didn't have to pay for this trip to Rome. They were paying for it because he was a prisoner. So you you can see how God even... Paul didn't have the burden of having to come up with the money to pay for this. So many times in our life, Again, we have to be open to not only where God wants to take us, but how God wants us to get there. And to even see God working in that. That it might not be the way I thought I was going to get there, but I'm still going to get there. And it might not even be how I thought I was going to get there. It's going to be maybe another way, but it's all part of God's amazing plan. Now, obviously... They're talking about maritime stuff. And there's a lot of maritime language in this chapter. Any of you that are sailors or you were in the Navy or you're a boater, you would love Acts 27. I mean, there's all kinds of technical terms and stuff that I'm just going to pass over. Can I just tell you? Because I've never been involved with that. But I do want to pick out some real spiritual principles here tonight. So notice in verse 3. The next day we put in at Sidon and Julius, again, this Roman centurion that was in charge of all the prisoners going to Rome, treating Paul kindly. Notice that God was giving Paul favor to the Roman centurion who was in charge of all the prisoners. Again, that's why we can trust God because if if we need or desire favor or blessing, and we're doing what God wants us to do, God can give favor through the most unlikeliest sources, if you will. You know, somewhere out of left field that we weren't thinking about. This Roman centurion is going to treat Paul kindly. Maybe he saw something in Paul, Paul's character, Paul's integrity. Maybe there was just something about Paul. Or maybe God was just stirring this up in Julius. We have no evidence that Julius was a Christian at this point, but obviously that doesn't matter to God. That makes no difference to God. God can work in and through anyone and everything, right? And he even allows him, verse 3, to go to his friends so that they could provide him with what he needed before he went sailing to Rome. And this would be a many-month-long trip. Let me say this before we move on. The blessing of friends. The blessing of friends. Don't 
take for granted the blessing of friends. And by the way, when it says at the end of verse 3, they provided him with what he needed, this wasn't just physical, material provisions for his trip. This also implies spiritual refreshment. Those are the best kind of friends. <laughs> the, the, the ones that maybe they, they can provide some practical help, but, but they also just provide an air of refreshment, if you will. And, and you and I are always refreshed in their company. Paul needed that. He didn't know all that was going to happen, and he certainly didn't even know as of yet what was going to happen on this great vessel that he was going to eventually get on and travel to Rome. So from there, verse 4, they were put out to sea, and they sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were set against us. Just because we're going the way God wants us to go doesn't mean we won't face contrary winds. Okay? We have to keep the wheel steady and keep moving forward even in the face of contrary winds, if you will. After we had sailed across the open sea, we put in at Myra, Verse 6, the centurion found then another ship from Alexandria sailing to Italy, and he put us aboard it. So now they're changing ships. But notice, again, we sailed slowly for many days and arrived with difficulty on Nindus. Verse 8, with difficulty we sailed along the coast of Crete. It pictures a great struggle. We have to keep this in mind. Listen, we may be doing the will of God, we may be going in the direction God wants us to go, how he wants us to go, the way he wants us to go, and we still may struggle with great difficulties. The, the challenges and obstacles will always be there, which is why God always wants to build within his people this inner strength, this inner tenacity and perseverance and endurance. He wants his people to be strong so that we can learn to navigate through storms. Because storms are part of life. We're all going to face storms of one kind or another. And if we don't know how to navigate storms properly, then we're going to get beat up throughout life by the storms rather than learning to trust God, and to have the strength from him to navigate through the storms. And that's why you find, even from Genesis to Revelation, so many passages of Scripture about storms and God bringing his people through things rather than around things or removing things. Again, God's purposes, much of the time, are not accomplished in the absence of storms, but in the presence of storms. Okay, again, I'll point out the illustration of the disciples in the boat in the Gospels. Jesus told them to get into the boat. So they were doing what Jesus told them to do, and yet they faced this unbelievable storm. God wanted to trust them to trust him in that storm. He was in the boat with them. Yes, he was asleep, but he was in the boat with them. Jesus hasn't abandoned your boat in the storm. He is with you. Verse 9. Here's where it gets a little interesting. They are now going to reject Paul's counsel. And let's look at that for just a moment. Since considerable time had passed, 
They had taken longer than they thought they were going to take to get to this point. The voyage was now in danger because the fast, which is referring to the Jewish Day of Atonement, was already over. That's a point of reference. Why? Because the Day of Atonement corresponds to our early October on our calendar. Why is that significant? Because in that part of the world, in that part of the ocean, if you will, to sail anywhere from the end of September through the probably beginning to middle of December was the worst time of the year to travel that, that path, okay? So, Paul goes, uh, guys, I strongly recommend that we don't do this now. Let's wait until several months have passed, and then let's make this journey, right? Because notice, in verse 10, he says, Man, I can see the voyage is going to end in disaster and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. I want you to look at that phrase, I can see, verse 10. It speaks of Paul's perception, insight, discernment God's people who are walking with God can see things that others cannot see and even though logically to a sailor this was not the best time to sail you know there's something in human beings that hubris that that pride like that's nah, not going to happen to us you know, the whole Titanic thing. We're going to build a boat that doesn't sink. We're going to be the, the, the exception. We're going to be the ones that we're, we're good enough. We're good enough sailors. We've got a big enough boat. We're going to make it somehow, even though normally this is not good weather to travel in type of thing, okay? But notice verse 11. The centurion was more convinced by the captain and the ship's owner than by what Paul said. He overestimated the experts, supposedly, and he underestimated the insight and perception of Paul. I want us to think about that a minute because that's, that's something we need to gnaw on for a little while in our lives. And I'm not just talking about for a few minutes tonight. In fact, Keep your finger in Acts 27 and go back to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Let me share a passage from the book of Ecclesiastes that goes along with where we're at right now. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Psalms, Proverbs, and then Ecclesiastes. I love this little story out of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, if I can get there. There we are. Verse 13, this is what I also observed about wisdom on earth, and it's a great burden to me. There was once a small city with a few men in it, and a mighty king attacked it, besieging it and building strong siege works against it. However, a poor but wise man lived in the city, and he could have delivered the city by his wisdom. But no one listened to that poor man. So I concluded that wisdom is better than might, but a poor man's wisdom is despised. No one ever listens to his advice. 
That's exactly what they were doing in Acts chapter 27. Why? Because Paul didn't have the right position. He didn't have the right prestige. He didn't have the right pull. So what came out of his mouth was dismissed, not because it wasn't sound, but because of who was saying it, simply because they were looking at other things. You and I have to be careful of that. Now, obviously, others have to be careful of that in regards to us. And I want to encourage you by this, because this is what Acts 27, if you want to go back there, that's one of the big things this is all about. When Paul started on this journey, he was nothing more than a prisoner and a passenger on this ship. By the time this voyage is over, he is the leader because it is illustrating something for us. You don't have to have a certain position in the world to be a leader. If you're a leader, you can lead from any position. We in the world, and even in the church, we've gotten caught up into the ways of the world. We think we have to have a certain position in order to lead. God says, no, that's not true. Now, that might not mean that other people won't listen to you because you don't have said position. But that's where now I want to come back to us because we are the people of God. May we not just dismiss or discount something that someone says to us that may actually be great wisdom coming from God simply because they don't have a certain position. Or let me even use ministry, for example, because they don't have a Bible degree or a seminary degree or they haven't done this or studied this or whatever. I'm telling you, I've been to school with those people. I'll take many of you any day over some of them. Because let me tell you why. You walk with God every day. You walk with God every day. You're in touch with God. Now, I'm not discounting education. I'm not saying don't do those things, but don't let them be what we rely on to either be heard or to have a platform to say something. Because just like Ecclesiastes said, this guy could have saved a whole city, but because he didn't have a certain position, nobody listened to him. And that's exactly what's happening to Paul on the ship. He's just a prisoner. What's he know? Well, he knew more than anybody else did because he could see things because he walked with God. He never took a sailing class in his life. He wasn't a weather person. He wasn't on the weather channel. He didn't know Jim Cantore. <laughs> and yet he could see things, right? Back to Acts 27. Because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, at least their conclusion, the majority decided to put out to sea from there. Oh, that's always a problem. Sometimes the majority isn't right. They hoped that somehow they could reach Phoenix. Amen. Oh, wait a minute. Wrong Phoenix. A harbor of Crete facing southwest, northwest, and spend the winter there. Now look at verse 13. This is interesting. 
when a gentle south wind sprang up. Can you hear the birds singing? Sorry. They thought they could carry out their purpose, so they weighed anchor and sailed close along the coast of Crete. Ah, this is the way life is sometimes. A deceptively calm wind sort of, they favored their decision like, ah, see, see, we made the right decision. Listen, we're not to base our decisions on our circumstances, on raising our finger and seeing which way the wind blows. We're supposed to be basing our decisions on the leading of God through his spirit and through his word. They were basing their decisions, oh, look, because it looks good now. Let's go. Look at verse 14. Not long after this, a hurricane force wind called the Northeaster blew down from the island and the ship was caught in it. And this wasn't just a storm. This was a storm of all storms. They were at the mercy of the winds and the waves, verse 15. We gave way to it and were driven along. They had no control over this ship. Can you imagine? This was a pretty big ship. There were 276 souls on board. Even in that day and age, this would have been a pretty substantial ship out there in the ocean being battered by the wind and the waves. They tried to steer through it. They just couldn't. Notice verse 18. The next day, because we were violently battered by the storm, they began even throwing the cargo overboard. I mean, you can envision this frantic scene picturing this state of fear and desperation on board, even by those that were used to being on board. I mean, let's go back even to the disciples in the Gospels. Those, many of those men were fishermen. They were used to being out on the water. They were used to navigating storms, and yet they were scared to death. Verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the violent storm continued to batter us. That's a big storm. I mean, this just didn't last a few hours. This lasted many days. Then notice this, very key verse or phrase. We finally abandoned all hope of being saved. There you go. Everyone on board, just like the disciples in the boat, we're going to die. Let me say this. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. When things seem hopeless, beyond all, you know, help, no way out, oh, that's when God can show up and do amazing things. Think about the children of Israel. Here comes Pharaoh and his army. What's behind them? An ocean. God, why did you lead your people? They're trapped. They're sitting ducks. No, they're not. I'll just part the ocean, take them through on dry ground. Big deal. That's God. So we, we again need to just remember who our God is and what our God can do. Anything When you're at the end of yourself, God's just getting started. Verse 21, since many of them had no desire to eat, 
Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not put out the sea from Crete. Now, maybe he shouldn't have said that, but, you know. I told you so. But I think the reason he did that wasn't to say, I told you so. He's getting ready to say something else. And I think why he said that is he's saying, look, I was right the first time, so I want you to listen to what I'm about to say this time. Because you didn't the first time. Please listen to me now, because I got some really important words for you. I now advise you, verse 22, keep up your courage. Take heart and be brave, for there will be no loss of life among you. Only the ship will be lost. This is not going to end in disaster, fellas. This is going to end in our deliverance. Why is God taking Paul through a storm? So Paul can be a witness to every last soul on that boat. Why does God sometimes take us through storms? So that we can be a witness to all the people around us as we go through the storm. Just like Paul. Verse 23 God gave him a divine word of encouragement. He sent an angel, and I love this, an angel of God to whom I belong. I belong to God. And God sent me a messenger straight from the throne of heaven. And he came, and he said to me, do not be afraid. Literally, stop being afraid and fearful, Paul, which then implies Paul was afraid too. Can strong Christians be afraid in the midst of great storms? Absolutely. We're human. And so God was even using this storm to build even more faith and to strengthen even Paul's faith, as well as to work through him at the same time. Do you and I have to be perfect in order for God to use? No. Can we be struggling with, with fear at times and God still use us to encourage others to be fearless and to trust God? Yes, because he was doing that with Paul. Amen. Don't think you have to be the perfect saint for God to use. God wouldn't use any of us. Notice he says, you must stand before Caesar. That's my plan, Paul, and nothing's going to stop my plan. You are invincible until my plan is finished. And then he says, and God has graciously granted you the safety of all who are sailing with you. We not only see a word from God, we see the grace of God here. Because of the presence of Paul on that ship, no one is going to lose their lives. That was God's grace. He didn't need to do that. He just sort of threw that in, like, I'm going to just save everybody, not just you, Paul. Verse 25, then Paul, the one who was encouraged by God, turns around to encourage others. That's why you and I need to receive word from God and be encouraged and be strengthened because then we can turn right around and just as we've talked about with blessing, we are blessed, therefore we bless others. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are encouraged to be an encourager. And so in verse 25, Paul turns around to all on the ship and says, keep up your courage, be encouraged, men, for I have faith in God. It's going to be just as I've been told. Paul is resting in and relying on a faithful God. 
We sung about it. Nicole talked about it. Faithful God. That's who you and I need to be relying on and resting in. I have faith in God. Yes, I'm going through a storm. Is it bad? It's really bad. The ship is being battered. It's lasted for weeks. We're throwing stuff overboard. Everybody else on the ship is, des- is in desperation and doubt and fear. I got to stand up in the midst of 276 souls and tell them it's going to be okay because God told me so. There's times where we need to look each other in the eye as Christians and say, God gave me a word for you. It's going to be okay. Or here, here's his word. He says in his word, it's going to be okay. Well, Paul did tell him, but again, the ship's going to be lost. So we've got to run, verse 26, this ship aground onto some island. So the 14th night had come, and basically they're taking soundings, and they're getting closer and closer to land. Then just when you think, okay, okay, we're we're getting there. Things are not necessarily as the storm improving and all of that, but, but Paul's starting to have some kind of positive impact and influence on the people in the ship. Notice then what happens in verse 30. Then the sailors tried to escape from the ship. They began lowering basically the lifeboats off there, and they were going to just cut and run. They did not believe Paul, and they were only looking out for themselves. Their plan was to jump ship, leave everyone else to fend for themselves. Notice when Paul sees this, he speaks up and says to the centurion and the soldiers, verse 31, unless these men stay with the ship, you can't be saved because we need all hands on deck to get this ship to shore. A few more thoughts. Verse 33, as day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food. See, sometimes it's about taking care of ourselves physically as much as it is emotionally and spiritually because it all ties together. Today is the 14th day you've been in suspense. Can you imagine? And have gone without food. You've eaten nothing for 14 days. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for this is important for your survival. Not just the spiritual encouragement I've just given you and the emotional encouragement, but the physical food. You need it all. For not one of you will lose a hair from his head. And after he said this, I love this picture. Paul took bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all, broke it and began to eat. Maybe he was having a little Lord's table moment there. I don't know. Maybe he was just eating a little bit. But notice verse 36. All of them were encouraged and took food themselves. Let's talk about a couple important principles here. One, the impact of one man or one person, one woman in a storm. 276 other people on board. One person who had faith in God made the difference. I say that to encourage every last one of you. Do not discount you and what God can do through you and how he can use you. I'm just one person. Yeah, 
One person can make all the difference in the world. Paul did. Everything changed. I love that song. Because of one person. Now, obviously, that song we sang was about Jesus. But that principle is true for you and I as well. Sometimes God puts us in the midst of a really difficult circumstance so that everyone around us can be impacted and influenced by our faith in the midst of our storm. And notice verse 36. One's outlook or attitude can be contagious. Just as a rotten attitude, a stinky attitude can be contagious, a positive attitude, an encouraged attitude can be contagious as well. Paul's attitude and outlook and perspective is spreading now throughout the rest of the ship. Well, verse 39 through the rest of the chapter basically tells the story of how the ship literally very hard runs aground onto this island. And the ship completely is smashed to bits. It, it breaks open. But notice all the soldiers and all the prisoners, they're, they're climbing aboard planks and pieces of the ship and making their way to land. Verse 43. Oh, excuse me. Let, let me back up just a little bit. When the soldiers saw the prisoners as if they were going to escape, the soldiers were going to start killing all the prisoners. But notice verse 43. This is really important. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul's life, prevented them from carrying out their plan of killing anybody. All the other prisoners were spared on account of Paul. What a beautiful picture. You and I are spared the wrath of God because of one man. What one man did affected so many others. That's exactly the picture here. Paul brought, if you will, grace to everyone on board that ship. Where you go every day, your movements, who the grace, the life of God, the love of God that you carry with you, it, 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 it's an environment, it's an atmosphere that, that you build around you and you carry that aroma of Christ everywhere you go. And literally, your presence can change atmospheres and environments and rooms and auditoriums. And one can make a difference. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest were to follow some on planks, some on pieces of the ship. But in this way, all were brought safely to land. God's promise to Paul was fulfilled because God is a faithful God. God said not one life will be lost. That's a miracle. For that ship to go through what it went through, to break up the way it did and not have one loss of life with all that, that is God's hand on all of it. 
God wants us to trust him just as much in the midst of our storms. So again, let me reiterate just a couple things in closing. Although Paul started out on this journey through this storm as a passenger and as a prisoner, he ended it as the leader of all on board that ship. Paul's presence made all the difference in that storm. Your presence can make all the difference in a storm. And God may not just be taking you and I through storms in our life to continue to build faith and to strengthen our faith in him. He may be taking us through storms as he did Paul to be, to be a witness of the hope, of the peace, of the joy, of the faith that one can have in God even in the midst of the storms. One person can make all the difference in the world. So remember, much of God's purposes are not accomplished in the absence of storms, but in the presence of storms. Keep trusting him. He is a faithful God. Father, we thank you tonight for this great story of Paul and everyone on that ship headed to Rome. God, again, it's just an example of your faithfulness. What a great and good God you are. And Lord, you always have purposes for the storms that you take us through. Nothing in our life is ever purposeless, God. You want to you want to do something deep and permanent in our lives through the storms. And you want to touch people in a deep and permanent way as they watch us navigate those storms. So Lord, when it's our turn to go through that storm, may we remember this chapter. May we say, as Paul said, I have faith in God. And I'm going to not only receive the encouragement that God gives me in the midst of this storm, but I'm going to turn around and even in the midst of the storm I'm going through, I'm going to try to be an encouragement to others, God, so that I can be a witness for you. Not just when things are going well for me, but even, Lord, in the midst of the greatest storms of my life, I want to be a witness for you. God, remind us of these truths. Take us all home safely tonight, Lord, and bring us back with such great anticipation and expectation for Sunday. Because, God, we believe that you're going to do something great again on Sunday. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Thanks for being here.